I'm Evelyn and I'm a geoholic. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I know for a fact that is our first J-Lo tune. I think it is. You mentioned last week that there is a Spotify out there that has all of our every opening music. and every episode. I this is the first. If, I bet you it's the first J-Lo. No doubt. And, and a long time coming. No question. No question. And we're going to find out more about her in just a minute. Okay. But before we do, some exciting things happening with the Geoholics. Um, I will. I think about it now, of course, but this episode is going to come out after this event, but we're going to be at the Roads and Streets Conference in Tucson this yes, week. Yes, yes. Really looking forward to that. Uh, we'll be at the RCN Conference in October, the 10th through the 13th. That'll be in Boise. Yes. And of course, Trimble Dimensions in November in Las Vegas. That's the big one. That is the big one. Uh, moral of the story, Geoholics for Hire. If you have an event coming up and you oh, want the geoholics yeah, there. Yeah, you want a couple guys we, to maybe do some interviews, have some fun, we, we will travel. We are your guys, no doubt. Um, what else? Oh, the breast cancer awareness t-shirts. That's right. October 3rd is the last day to order them. We've had really good success. Lots of orders coming in. Can't thank you all enough. Um, but October 3rd is the last day because that ensures folks that they will at least get the shirt during the month of October. So make note of that. And last thing I have really is a shout out to our newest patrons. Oh, yes. Mr. Yes. and Mrs. Carrie Faber. Hey, look at that. Yes, he must look have been impressed. That, he must have had a that. good time. We had my dad on the show a couple look, weeks ago, and yep. he was that impressed. He is now a, a what, what does NPR call it? A sustaining member. <laughs> yes, he is indeed. <laughs> so the challenge here is, as we were talking about before the show, is... Kent here needs to get a fan pack in the mail to Mr. Faber. Yes, the absolute worst guy to mail anything yep. needs to put something in the mail. Yep, so yep. I have a feeling it might be getting some pressure. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I think you will. We'll be. make that one happy. But although we all, in all seriousness, we're waiting on a crap ton of swag. We reordered everything, got a ton of stuff coming, especially with yep. all these events coming up. So, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure that Mr. Faber will be somewhat patient with me. I believe he will be. All right. Other than that, quick uh, intro of our cast of characters. We have my good friend, Dr. Nick Smolowski with us this evening. Dr. Nick, how are you? I'm good. How's everybody doing? Fantastic. Thanks for taking time to join us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yep. Can't wait to see what you bring to this episode. It should be pretty exciting. And uh, my other good friend, producer Sugar. As always. Hello. Hello. Good to see you, my friend. How was your uh, vacation? Uh, you know... Uh, uh, it was phenomenal. You're um, still mentally on vacation. I am still mentally on the beach, just watching the waves come in and uh, figuring out what we're going to have for uh, our next cocktail or our, our, our next meal. Um, yeah. The food was amazing. We, we, you know, my wife and I love, we're, you know, we're foodies. We love uh, trying different stuff. And yep. uh, I was really impressed. It seemed like there are some new and fun restaurants around, especially in downtown Honolulu. Nice. Uh, it, uh, it, it, was, it was a great time. Cool. I would highly recommend uh, dumping your kid on somebody else and going to Hawaii for a week <laughs> and not worrying about anything. 
Oh, man. I almost volunteered to watch your kid just because she's such a sweetheart. But since yeah. your parents were coming in town, I was like, oh. I know. You were just right at the, you're yeah. just about to uh, offer your services. Was. And then, uh, yeah, it didn't, didn't happen. Did not happen. Did not happen. All right. Since you're on a roll here, tell us about that opening number. Uh, Jennifer Lopez. That was J-Lo with a song called Let's Get Loud. Everybody knows who J-Lo is. Considered a pop culture icon and often described as a triple threat entertainer. With a cumulative film gross of, this is crazy, $3.1 billion just in movies crazy. and estimated global sales of $80 million records, she is considered the most influential Hispanic entertainer in North America. In 2012, Forbes ranked her the world's most powerful celebrity and the 38th most powerful woman in the world. Seems like that could be higher. Uh, Time listed her among the 100 most influential people in the world in 2018. For her contributions to the recording industry, she has a landmark star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and has received the Billboard Icon Award and the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award, among other honors. Yeah. Yeah, she's something else. I'm sorry? I was saying, shoo, yeah, she's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And, and, and has been for a long time. <laughs> yes. Like a ridiculous, like most of my adult life, she has been a a huge star. I mean, that's just amazing. Yeah, no doubt about it. She looks phenomenal. Yeah. Looks great. Yeah. And she's married to... Uh, I don't know if they're married, but I think it's still Ben Affleck right Like now. the second time, I think. I, yeah. I think they just got remarried. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, not that I know that. I've never heard that. I've never read that. Uh, you know, not, not at all. Oh. I, it's the first time I've even heard her sing. But no matter who she's married to, she's definitely the dominant uh, dominant star there. She's the, she's the big deal. Yeah, I would say so for sure. Uh, and, of course, our guest this evening got to have uh, input. On the music and is a J-Lo fan. We'll get into that here in just a minute. Uh, but before we do, we got to give a shout out to the Diamondback Land Surveying Studio. Uh, we actually finally received our bottles of G-Hawks whiskey. Oh, yes. Yes. Which is really exciting. And uh, Have you tried it yet? I, I haven't. I, haven't I just it. can't bring myself to crack open the bottle. I know, it's I know. just so pretty. We'll put one in the, in the studio and we'll yeah, drink we'll it have in to, here, yeah. of course. But... Um, yeah, so thank you to Trent for making all that happen. Uh, really good partnership there. Super cool. Of course, he swapped out one Geoholics bottle for a Mentoring Monday's bottle, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is fine. That'll be the one we'll probably keep in the studio. Sure, as a yeah, of fact. yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And he uh, he he sent his uh, his. Uh, Whiskey mules to deliver it, oh. aka his field crew. His field crew is his whiskey mules yes. down to Phoenix to drop yep. it off to us. Yep. So everything worked out perfect there. And again, can't thank Trent enough for his uh, continued support of the show. Uh, on that, producer Sugar, the degenerate lock of the week. How is this oh, going? How's man. this going, my friend? Uh, we started this segment about. So this will be the third. The third weekly lock of the week, and so far uh, the locks are less locky than than they should be. Uh, the last lock of the week was Minnesota, and they definitely did not do what any of us thought they would do. Uh, so with that, uh, we have an upcoming game on Sunday. It's a big one for the Geoholics because it's I'm a Carolina guy. I'm a Carolina Panthers guy, and our Arizona Cardinals are going to be in Charlotte for the, the game on Sunday. Uh, the line right now is Carolina minus one and a half. I've been going back and forth on this all day long. I was he- heavy on the Cardinals because I think they're going to bounce back. But then I remember, as being to most of these games, 
the Panthers always do well against the Cardinals. So I say the Panthers by a field goal. Take the home team. Take the Panthers. The Cardinals are are in a downward spile, and we just yeah. got our first win of the week last week. So take the Panthers. Take the Panthers. Panthers. I'm on board with that. No question. Um, okay, new segment here. New I, segment. I, yes, I just what? I just told our producer about it three minutes before we came on. Okay, well, it's, I mean it's not that big of a change. It's still liquid death. But okay. now we're going to try this because I've had a lot of people ping me about, hey, why don't you um, like promote a, a like a job posting or a job opportunity or something oh, like all that, right, yeah. which is a great idea. Oh, that is great. Yeah, so this is, is great. kind of an experiment. We'll see if there's any success out of this. So this is going to be liquid deaths. Job of the week. Okay. All right. So our good friend, Nick LaFon, who is, yeah. of course, a surveyor. He's a principal of 1LS Surveying. Uh, he has a great opportunity for the right person. So 1LS Surveying, a little bit about the company, is a veteran-owned firm in Hillsborough, Oregon, and they are looking for one hungry LSIT excuse me, to complement the team. Mm. The successful candidate will be involved in survey projects from start to finish and will develop strong skills in evidence analysis, boundary resolution, and conflict mediation. This is a hybrid position, very important, allowing you to balance your time between field surveys, office collaboration, and drafting from home. A lot of people are looking for something like that. Yeah, Candidates intending to obtain a license will be prioritized and, get this, there are bonus points if you are a chess player. Really? I learned just now that our good friend Nick is a chess player. Interesting. Hmm. All right. Next time I see him, we're going to have to strike up a game. Yeah. To Sounds like a good uh, resume keyword in there, too. Really? Exactly. To apply, please email a short intro to, get this, Nick, N-I-C-K, at 1ls-surveying.com, explaining why you might be the best fit. I like that approach a lot. That's awesome. I hope I hope he gets tons of applicants, and maybe we're onto something here. Maybe. I don't you know. Never we'll know. See. We'll see how it works. And if it works, what I would suggest is that if you work for a recruiter or something like that, you should probably be a sponsor or a friend of the program going uh, into next year. I would think that'd be a good a good marketing resource. Really good for, fit yeah, there. Yeah, really absolutely. good fit there. You yeah. could have the weekly liquid death job. Good. Yeah. Before we get to our guests this evening, here is this week's Bad Elf Minute. Hello, Geoholics, and welcome to Bad Elf's Point of Beginning, a segment specially crafted for the consumption of geospatial news, history, and technology. We hope you enjoy the content and perhaps even learn something. My name is Dr. Nick Smolofsky, I'm a geoholic, and I'm here to be your geospatial guide. On September 21st, 2022, WSP Global announced its completed acquisition of the environment and infrastructure business of Wood Group PLC, formerly known as Amec Foster Wheeler. If you're unfamiliar with these two global powerhouses, a simple Google search will show you the caliber of company we are discussing. The purchased division boasts over 6,000 professionals and roughly 100 offices in 10 different countries while WSP has over 63,000 employees worldwide. The purchase price was approximately $1.8 billion, subject to adjustments. The Environment and Infrastructure Group will now provide engineering, remediation consulting, environmental permitting, inspection, monitoring, and management services for WSP. WSP's president and chief executive officer explained, 
Aligned with our global strategic action plan, this acquisition, along with other recently announced transactions, will contribute to the achievement of our strategic ambitions while expanding our geographical range and adding expertise in key sectors. This will create even greater momentum as we future-proof our cities and environment. Congratulations to WSP for this exciting opportunity. I'm excited to see what's next and to see your continual growth. Keep up the great work, helping our world be a better place. If you have any questions or comments about today's POB segment, please reach out to me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. And that does it for us at B2 Studios in sunny Texas. Live long and prosper, my friends. Okay, let's get on with this. Our guest this evening, we have Dr. Nadine Alame. And a little bit about uh, Dr. Alame. She was born in Beirut, Lebanon at the beginning of the Civil War. So she has a lot to say about that and how it affects her, how it has affected her life. Can't wait to hear about it. She attended American University of Beirut for her undergrad and MIT, and she ended up with two master's degree, one in urban planning and one in civil engineering. Wow. Impressive. She currently lives in Bethesda, Maryland. Um, she's actually a jazzercise franchisee and dance instructor, mm. in addition to everything else she has going on, including her being the CEO and president of the Open Geospatial Consortium, also known as OGC. When asked about career highlights, this is her quote, she said all of it because it's all me and it's all unplanned. Coming from a place with no electricity to working at NASA was a dream come true. Also giving a presentation in front of the UN as an OGC representative. And coming up, I'm really jealous about this, in August, Nadine will be standing on the same stage as Neil Peterson, the father of the metaverse. Wow. Nadine, welcome to the Geoholics. Thank you for being here. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. I'm still dancing <laughs> because Jay, I love Jado and we have a routine for that. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, is totally that dancing. is that song on one of the uh, Jazzercise? Uh, yes, I oh, could totally cool. lead you. Let's do it. <laughs> you don't want to see me dance. I'll tell you that right oh, now. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We spared the uh, the audience on it's that ugly. one. <laughs> All right, before we get going, we do this every week. It's the Trimble Pro Point Icebreaker. Here's a question we have for you. If you could have any one skill or talent you don't already have, what would it be and why? Oh, um, I would pick um, something artistic like uh, drawing, right? Because I yeah. don't have that. And this ability to create something from nothing just on your imagination, sure. I would love to have it because it opens up so many. So when I see somebody drawing, you know, I'm like, oh, they can do it. I, you think you can do it. You try to do it and it looks like <laughs> horrible. So, yeah. Well, if you think about it, you're kind of a career with your, or kind of an artist with your career taking or creating something amazing from nothing, right? I Guess well, time will tell, right? I just like you know, when I'm old and I look back, we'll see <laughs> how, how that has uh, you know worked out, I think. But in the meantime, definitely having fun, yeah, for sure. And if we continue yeah. to look back, you know, of course, as I mentioned, you grew up in Beirut at a pretty tumultuous time. How did that kind of shape you know who, who you are today? 
Um, I think people don't realize how hard the war is, and it's not just like the physical, I think it's the emotional, right? That's why they have, you know, the, the post-trauma and all of this. But what, I mean, if you know anything about Lebanese people, you know that they love to live, right? And I think we all have that in us. So you'll have a bomb, bombs and every day almost all the glass in the house would be shattered like all the neighborhood and these guys every morning you wake up and they would be replacing the glass because there's this um, unbelievable will to live and you don't notice it right Uh, you just it becomes part of you this ability to uh, literally they say wherever they throw you you stand up right Mm. Um, and so it's teaches you this resilience, this community, right? Uh, and I try, I try <laughs> to tell my kids this, uh, you know, when they complain about homework. And I would say that we did our homework mm. on candle light wow. before, you know, literally. And, you know, so they say, you know, one, I have two boys and one boy would tell the other, his brother, it's like, hey, Grab your violin. Your mom is starting to talk about the war. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's just, I think resilience and this, just like empathy, because life is tough and you never know what people are going through or they went through. But also my favorite is um, uh, if it's not life and death, you'll be okay. Right. You know, so work stuff or relationship stuff or homework stuff. It's going to be okay, right? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, really good point, really good point. Um, my, my, my wife always says, like, when I start to get worked up over, like, the silliest thing, she's like, nobody's going to die. Right. Nobody's going to die. It's, it's going to be okay. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're not in, it's not like imminent danger, you know? Right. Exactly, uh, exactly, yes. Yeah, yeah, so you mentioned resilience and empathy. Um, though Those traits, um, how does that play into running a successful organization? Oh, it plays a lot, right? Because uh, uh, it's, it, it's a, a sort of patience, right, as you work <laughs> with others on something that's really, really big. So I think what we're trying to do these days with geospatial if you think about it, we're finally outside of our bubble and we're finally at the stage where we're able to solve the problems like the disasters, like the climate, right? Like infrastructure. Mm. And I think you need everything you can have <laughs> in your, you know, um, you know, under the hood, right? To get you through, I think, times that are super fast, um, global, Right. So you have to be able to deal with multiple cultures and multiple languages. And again, I think that experience is being Lebanese. You grew up with three languages. My brother is uh, deaf. So we grew up also doing sign language. So it makes you sort of open. And I think it's a good fit for the open geospatial consortium in a way. Right. So I think that's how it translates with very interestingly to me, because this is like, is this me? Um, I'm an engineer and a numbers person, and I end up mostly talking about the people skills and the social skills and the teamwork. And I think that's super important these days. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, great answer. Uh, well, that was a good segue into uh, the Open Geospatial Consortium. Like, uh, can you talk a little bit about kind of how it all started and 
you know, kind of what led to where it is now? Uh, I can talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're here. So, That's right. You're here, right? <laughs> so, uh, so here's the thing. Also, and where OGC fits in all of this. So, as you mentioned, right? I came from Beirut, got the scholarship to go to MIT to study GIS. I honestly, nobody knew what GIS is, but you don't care, right? It's like a free ticket. Everything paid. You just go, and then you start to learn about this geospatial and you start to learn i tell them it's the best thing to do if uh you're 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 not into commitment because you're not committing to any technology to any domain right it's just like you can solve any problem and that's i think how i bounced right you bounce from you know nasa earth observation to a little bit of consulting to aviation it becomes you know geospatial geospatial and this is to me where eventually OGC is that umbrella, right, of all things geospatial. So to me, the fit is perfect. And then the fact that OGC started 1994, so a long time wow. ago. Um, and these guys, right, the founders had the foresight to, to actually think about connecting systems and people, right, to solve difficult problems. And voila, we're in 2022, and that capability of connecting systems to each other via standards, via best practices, is more important than ever because, that's the best part, uh, all of a sudden, everything is geospatial, mm, yep. right? All of a sudden, everybody's talking about location, whether it's your car or your drone, or the rover on Mars, or the underground and digital twins, and you know the telecom companies, and, and you know. So all of a sudden, I think you come, and and that's what I see now. OGC, I, I I like to call it the home, the home of geospatial. So if you need data, you need to find people, you need to find workflows, processes, standards, new ideas. You just come to this home right where all of geospatial is happening. And then we're not just happening. That's, I think, that's the most amazing thing about OGC is that this community then is the most amazing collective problem solving community. They roll their sleeves and they work together even, even though they're competitors, right? And they work together to solve flooding or wildfires or the Arctic, I mean, so 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 much that they do together and so yes i could say ogc is a not-for-profit global membership organization we are at our largest ever because everything i said this is the best time to be in geospatial um but i like to just like i like to convey that you know it's an amazing community at the beginning and that's what leads to amazing standards solid standards and um impacts 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 yeah well, well said i'm gonna let uh, dr nick jump in here because i'm sure he's got plenty to, yes. to add for sure yeah so that it's awesome to um honestly be talking to nadine and, and before we started the podcast i mentioned that uh, you know your reputation precedes you in the geospatial community so thank you again for coming on the podcast. So I personally learned about the OGC about 13 years ago in graduate school. And at the time, this is about the same time that, for an example, Google Earth came out. So we we lived in a world of kind of disparate 
unconnected geospatial. And so I was doing geospatial or GIS, you know, mapping, land surveying at ASU. And I honestly, at the time, I didn't really care about what everybody else was doing. And I remember watching the professor at the time talk about the OGC and really talk about standards a little bit and metadata, you know, the data about the data. And then I remember on my first sort of uh, assignment where we were supposed to use the OGC's uh, guidelines to fill out the metadata for some features, I come to find out in the in the community back then that a lot of times that metadata wasn't being filled out. Still today, a lot of people are not spending the time to really attribute their data and qualify it, you know, substantiate it. Anyway, fast forward to today, and I think, and, and what you were just saying about standards and how this group has brought everybody together, now that this is so global, right, we're in this moment, so to speak, I just I think it's such a great position for the OGC to be in um, without standards uh, data and GIS are not equitable. And so and what I mean by that is standards helps everybody start on the same page. Right. And so we don't want to have some people starting at a deficit because they're not following these guidelines. And when people follow standards, you don't have to use all that cognitive ability to figure out what they're doing. You're just you, you, you immediately know what what they're up to. And so it's just a a pleasure to hear, you know, um, you talk about how the OGC is coming in and it's to the point where not only is it kind of giving guidelines and standards, but now we're seeing the fruits of the labor of years of activity of people coming together to actually collaborate, to make better decisions uh, and, and, you know, solve big, big problems. Um, so I have to ask just quickly, are, are you going to be, I think there's an OGC meeting in Singapore soon in October. Are you flying flying over the, uh, the seas here soon? Yes, I'm flying in like a couple of days. Yes, but uh, but before I want to say thank you. I rest my case. You can end the podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> he said it all <laughs> so much better than I will ever will. But yes, we do have an OGC member meeting in Singapore. You know, if you're not familiar, we actually meet three times a year and, you know, like in person and we go North America, Europe, Asia. So Singapore is coming up in Asia for the first time since before the pandemic. So it's it's uh, I think the energy is big and the theme uh, to no surprise to anybody is digital twins because again I like what Nick was was describing where uh, we're going sort of be beyond the basics basics you still need the basics the data formats the metadata the APIs all of that. But we're, we now have to enable things that are as big as urban digital twins or digital twin of the oceans or digital twin of the earth, et cetera, et cetera. And it only happens when you come together. And I think uh, that's why if you hear me, usually I always talk about fair, findable, accessible, interoperable, reusable, fair, fair, fair. And I think that's what we're, yeah, I'm excited to, to go. I've never been to Singapore before, so it's going to be good really going to be good. Awesome. Yeah, sounds like a great mm -hmm. trip. Um, so uh, you mentioned that, you know, this is OGC has been in existence since around 1980, 1994. And, mm -hmm. you know, here we are 2022. You know, how has, or maybe it hasn't changed, but have the goals or the vision, has it changed over the course of those years? Uh, I think if you don't change, you die, right? So it definitely has changed. That's why it's been around for what, like 28 years. So 
I want to plan a big party, by the way, for the 30th, and we can bring the music and the cello, and (laughs) 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 this would be so much fun. Um, This is totally unrelated, but you guys seem to be, you understand this. I, when I got the job as CEO, and we had our first OGC member meeting, uh, it was in Belgium, and I love dancing, right? So I stood up. It's my the first time all of our members, you know, you know, meet me. And I said, this was the formal reception. I was like, you know, starting, you know, next meeting, there will be dancing in these receptions. <laughs> that's that's the change that I'm gonna do with OTC. And then I go back and sit down, and this guy sitting next to me, he's like, Do you know what you just did? Nobody will show up next time because we're all geeks and we don't dance. <laughs> so, so anyway, so that's the change. I, you know, they haven't let me yet. My my staff is still opposing, but uh, the biggest change I think in OGC is this. Um, I think it's a, the power, right, and this necessity, right, uh, of changing with times, right. So what's happened in the last you know, five years we're focusing on is modernizing the entire foundation mm. of standards. So we went from web services and SOAP and XML, and now, now everybody's using JSON and open APIs. So we're doing all of that. That's a big, big change. And on top of that change is how you get to the standard. So, and I tell them, you know, sometimes when you say standard, people go, Ooh, right? It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's boring, you're boring, you know, but uh, what we are, we're doing, and again, it's out of necessity. It's because the world is moving so fast. Um, um, I call it, we're now developing standards at the pace of innovation. Hmm. So I cannot sit down in committees for 10 years and, you know, create the perfect, perfect data model. And, you know, it, you can't, you can't do that today. The world will pass you by and then we end up with non-interoperability. So the idea is we're starting from the ground up. And this is why you hear us a lot talk about developer-friendly standards. So, and it makes a lot of sense. So when an organization picks a standard, it's not the CEO that comes in and goes, you shall, you know, no, no, no. it's the developer Mm. who's building the applications, go searches, you know, right? Find something and voila, it actually connects. So developer-friendly in a very agile way. So we have like a sprint every two months and you don't even have to be an OGC member. Sometimes we're like really open and I'm like, like open, open, right? Just come help us test, you know, new APIs or new models. And um, I think out of this experimentation, you get this documentation that's actually the standard. Right. So it's the opposite. I don't write it. Ask people if it's okay. It's the opposite. And the best part is for everybody is that what you write becomes, you know, it's more snippets of code and examples of practical stuff. Right. It's not a 500 page document. Um, And yeah, not being a 500 page document is huge. So I think it's that that change right now. You hear us talk a lot about cloud native geospatial. Same thing. If all this data is on the cloud, especially you've got all the satellite remote sense data, but also all the tabular data that's actually can be geospatial. And we have to do something that deals with that scale. So I think if I can have one more thing, (laughs) one more change. 
I think the makeup of OGC also changed over the years. So um, we used to have, um, so OGC is one of the, I think some, one of the unique forums that has representation from government, from the private sector, businesses and academia. And it used to be for the longest time, a third, a third, a third until hmm. today. Today, you, can you take a guess? We've got the commercial, the private, the businesses. Now they constitute like 45% of our members. Oh, wow. And again, it makes a lot of sense because now there's so much data that these startups and these small businesses can play with. I mean, we're enabling, right? This is why we're not geospatial anymore. We're enabling a whole world. And you see that in the composition of the consortium. And I think it makes us better and then it can only lead to better things. Nadine, in, that, in that same <laughs> regard, I'm just curious, um, yes. what, what's the, uh, the spread kind of across the globe? Do we have uh, participation pretty equally in all the areas? Is, are, are there any countries kind of leading the way? Oh, that's also another change. See, okay, I have, you know, usually they say <laughs> stick to top three, but it's not working. All right. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yes. This is, I think, to me, is amazing because I'm international, right? Like, you know, so traditionally it's been very heavy North America, U.S., right? And then Europe also makes a lot of sense. Today, I'm very happy because this is so new. Just like uh, two months ago, right, we got a first principal member from Saudi Arabia. Wow. Mm, so something is happening. We had our first also principal members. So OGC has these levels. So principal is high, right? From South Africa, mm, right? And I think it's really good. We're getting a lot of um, uh, startups from, you know, doing AI stuff. I, I think you can guess from where, from China, right? So that group is growing from Japan. So you see the Asia Pacific. So if you give us, you know, five more years, I think, you know, Again, we're bursting out of the bubble in every possible way. So it's very cool. Yeah. So this is, forgive my ignorance on this one. So the standards that are being developed are they recognized like at a global level? Are they recognized at a country level? What what, what exactly does that look like? Oh no, that's a very good question. It's uh, so our standards are essentially internationally ratified standards. So when you comply and we have compliance testing and everything with an OGC standard, it's a, it's a global international okay. standard. And to make it even better, we actually co-brand some of our standards with ISO. So the International Organization for Standardization. Mm. Um, and they have a whole committee called Technical Committee 211 that does geospatial stuff. And so we co-brand. So this way... Uh, especially at the country level, sometimes, you know, following the ISO standards, you know, is a, even a higher, I think, sort of criteria. So they'll find the OGC standards there because they're co-branded. Got it. Got it. Got it. Nick, yep. you got something? Just curious, um, for all of our listeners out there, if, if somebody was going to look for a data set, whether they're, you know, geomatics, land surveying, GIS, uh, engineering, urban planning, ar architecture, uh, how would they identify or what would be the easiest way to know if the, the data they were looking at uh, was qualified to the standards of the OGC? 
like help any of our listeners out there that maybe have never heard of the OGC, like how can they start Mm -hmm. interacting and knowing like if they're approving, you know, kind of bridge the gap a little bit, maybe. This is going to sound too arrogant, but I'm not, I'm really not. But I think most likely if you're, you have nothing to do with just facial, most likely it is OGC compliant. This is what I tell people, right? Because if you think who are our members, NASA, European Space Agency, National Geospatial uh, you know, Intelligence, uh, Department of Homeland Security, NOAA. So if I look census, so all of these, if you think about it, they're, they're just giving you the data and OGC without you even knowing it. And then if you look, Google is a member and Apple is a member and AWS is a member and Microsoft is a member and Esri and Hexagon and Trimble and TomTom and the right? So that's why I say most likely, actually, which is a good thing, right? You've been using OGC standards without knowing it. If you really want to make sure, right, that's why we have, a, you know, the listing of the members on our website. There are compliance tests, so you can actually run tests that gives you thumbs up and thumbs down. Um, and yeah, does that... Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and what a win, right? So the, the standards are being enacted and people don't even rec- notice it, right? That's almost one of the most powerful things that it's just happening. But I bet you that wasn't always the case. And it's probably been a journey over the years to get everybody to buy in. But yeah, no, that's wonderful to hear. It's wonderful. And, but it's also like you're saying, it's like it's not done. So, and I think that's the challenge of today, because if you think about it, um, it used to be NASA and European Space Agency and JAXA, right, launching these satellites. And now how many, right? I mean, you've got not just Maxar and Planet, but you have so many actually of our startups are actually launching satellites or balloons or something. And these guys are the ones that we really need to work on today. Because right now, no. If you go to a startup, it's, you, you know, good luck to you. We don't know. Nobody knows, right? We're working with them to figure out, you know, a satellite tasking APIs. So at least when you task, it's the same thing. We're, we're figuring out, I mean, stack is everywhere. So the discovery, the metadata part, uh, and the formats. But I think this is why it's so interesting. Same thing we have, uh, um, you know, we've been talking with, what's the name of the, the, um, the automotive, right? Same thing. So this data that you're getting from cars on the edge, no, not yet. So we've got a lot of work to do for it to truly, truly, because right now we have the people, I think, who've been, how do I say this, maybe geospatial. And now since the bubble is bigger, I cannot guarantee that those other pieces are all compliant. But that's why it's so challenging and so timely and so fun, right? That's great. It is. Hey, Geoholics, we'd like to give a shout out to this week's highlighted friend of the program, Cyanic Automation's job book. Do you think it should be easier to collect timesheets, daily work records, and invoices for your customers? Is it difficult to look up past jobs in a certain area so you can reuse control points and other information? Are you sick of using software that does not quite store all the customer and job information you need? If the answer is yes to any or most likely all of these questions, you need to check out Cyanic Automation's job book. Created by the workflow experts at Cyanic Automation, Jobbook is a modern cloud-based solution built for surveyors that works in the field. Visit their website to find out more at get 
jobbook.com and Geoholics listeners receive 20% off their first year subscription. There's been, you know, some a couple cutting edge uh, terms being talked about already, you know, digital twins. And of course, you mentioned the metaverse. And for those listening that know me, anytime I get a chance to talk about the metaverse here lately, I take advantage of it. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I would love to hear your uh, your perspective on the metaverse and if there's a connection between that and OGC. Oh, God. Yes. So this is kind of my God. To the listeners, this is going to sound arrogant again, but I swear it's not <laughs> because we're saying the metaverse is geospatial. And so what, what do I mean, right? You still need a map to navigate whatever this 3D, 4D, fully immersive, um, you know, environment is. Um, so that's that's why you mentioned uh, Neil Stevenson in your introduction. That's like, yay, I got a picture with him and signed and everything. <laughs> um, but uh, if you think about it, right, what we can bring to the metaverse is real data. So that's what I tell them, right? So mm -hmm. we were in this, it was, I think, the most packed room that they've ever had at this event, right? And I was standing there and I'm saying, you know, all this stuff, you know, you had Pixar and Roblox. It's like, it doesn't have to be fake. I can actually give you the real buildings of New York and any other city. I can even give you the underground infrastructure. I can even give you the indoor maps of some buildings, some schools, right? This is all our data. And they had Cesium, this, this, this amazing OGC member who had this application where you can hand glides on top of any mountain in the world. It's not Hollywood. It's real data, wow, right? Cool. So. It's, I mean, it's amazing. My son is literally playing PlayStation downstairs and I keep telling him because I look how he does the New York thing. And it's like, we can make this even better. I mean, imagine. So I think, yeah. uh, and this, I think the geospatial is what's going to help link the virtual with the real world. Because for instance, they're going to put cameras, say, or sensors in the real world but you're going to see it in the virtual world. That's us, right? Because mm -hmm. we have standards for uh, the, the geopost standard, right? So where, where, where you're looking, <laughs> the orientation, not just the location, and everything 3D. And I, that's what I told them, take it. And I got these young guys, right, coming up to me because they were video producers. I was like, where can I get the data from New York? Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's really amazing. Does yeah. that help? I mean, we. I mean, I can go into the metaverse as a whole. Can spend two hours with you because I'm as excited. <laughs> well, I just think that's a good connection between what we all think of the metaverse, and you know, comparing it to like you could do it the the Roblox thing, or you could do it with actual data that we actually have that exists right yeah. now, yep. and that takes it to a whole new level as as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's I, amazing. Yeah. I even think we're grooming the our children with when you look at things like Minecraft, they're already in the process of creating and, and interacting in these three dimensional worlds. It's it's going to be a really interesting, you know, next 10, 15, 20 years as this technology becomes very prolific. Um, with that being said, Nadine, um, how do you think like uh, along lines with that, how do you think the geospatial industry is changing? I know you've said that a little bit. We've got location based data and such, but Maybe you can kind of, you know, flesh that out a little bit more. 
Um, so it's changing. I mean, I call it we're getting out of the bubble, uh, right? And um, it's mostly changing because it's not just Esri. It's not just Hexagon. It's not just, you know, Trimble or Oracle, right? It's, it's, it's anybody. I think that's what's changing about it, right? You know how they used to say every business is a software business? And I think these days it's like every business is a geospatial business. I mean, the insurance industry. I mean, I, I mean, there were like, again, you go to these conferences. It's mind-blowing because it's great because there's so many people you don't recognize because it's those entrepreneurs that have found that, wow, I can actually, I, and I met, I met these guys, for instance, they were having like a whole uh, business around detecting trees from space. This is what we can do today with artificial intelligence. And imagine how many times we're looping around the globe at what like 2.5 centimeter resolution. It's insane, mm. right? So yeah. they can categorize the trees and so that the scientists, like whatever they, they I don't know the word for the scientists that work, eco ecologists, so I don't know, <laughs> right? So that they can do all of this from space. And this is now also the geospatial industry, right? Yeah. So to me, you mentioned the, you know, can't digital twins. And in my head, hasn't, like, wasn't GIS the whole idea? Wasn't that I bring layers from different places mm. and I, you know, help figure out the relationships. And now it's just, it's, it's full blown, right? So yeah. that's how it's changing. It's just like exploding. This, uh, this past weekend, I was watching a bunch of college football and um, college football is sponsored by the Home Depot and uh, a game day. And so I saw a commercial I don't know about y'all, but I can't stand going into big box stores anymore because it just takes forever. And you know what? I can order it from Amazon. Yep. I can have it shipped to me, you know, Instacart or whatever. But uh, the new app, so if you get the Home Depot app, it, it's a complete indoor map. And so it knows where you are within the store. You can do yeah. queries for it. It'll tell you where to go, what shelf it's on. I mean, I think that's so neat, right? Like a, a, just a total lay person, you're just going to go shopping for some lumber. And here we are, all of a sudden, the store has a digital twin that we can now interact with. That That's so amazing to me. That's incredible. And I actually- I'm getting excited, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that leads me to my next question. You know, I've, I've been part of the you know survey slash geomatics world for over 30 years now. And there seems to be like this, cycle you know there there's the data collection or hardware you know making the, the the fastest technological advances and then the software has to catch up um where do you think we are in that cycle right now and nick this is for both you and nadine mm. so here's where i think i don't know if it's that's the same cycle but to me it's the cycle of um it's, 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 is this the hype cycle? Maybe, mm. but uh, it's that cycle. I, I see it with space, right? Again, I go back to space, which mm -hmm. was so small. And now it's really, really so big because VCs are funding space and you hear about specs every day. So much money is going in and so much data and this excitement, I call it like the gold rush. 
<laughs> we're going to get the ROI in six months and nobody cares about any standard or integrates with anything because money, 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 you know, I have to make my investors happy. So I think that's, we're in that part of the cycle, like, ooh, innovation, innovation, what can I yeah. do? And I think what, what this leads to is a lot of data that's not interoperable. And I think the, the cycle eventually, some of these companies will die or some of them will get together and say, we need a new standard or we need some best practices or the government will step in, right? And then you go into that cycle where, you know, everything is integratable again until a new innovation comes in and you yeah. go through, ooh, 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 ooh. I think the next ooh, ooh, is probably like edge computing and quantum computing. And I, th I see that as the cycle of interoperability that you have to sort of just roll with, which is innovation and standards and, you know, coexisting. I would, I would agree with that. Um, I will, I'll say this, I'll make a plug. Um, I know Kent, you're a big fan of this author, but Simon Sinek, Simon Sinek talks about uh, one of the best TED talks there ever was about the why behind things. But in that he discusses the adoption curve or the adoption model. And he talks about it in terms of an iPod, um, but you have kind of imagine a bell curve. And so you start with innovators and you get to an early adopters, early majority, late majority and the laggards. And so in the world of like mm. smart devices, the laggards would be people with rotary phones. And, you know, back in the day when the Palm Pilot came out as kind of the first smart device, those were early adopters. And you can find where your product is in that. And I would say in terms, and, and there are a lot of different new geospatial technologies, whether you're talking about mixed reality like AR and VR and the metaverse, or you're talking about autonomous vehicles, or you're talking about the digital twin or remote sensing and deep learning and artificial intelligence. And there's, there's lots of different things, but I'll say, cause we've been talking about the metaverse. I would say we're in that early adoption phase where they kind of call it, there's a chasm where this is that big moment where we're in adoption, but we're about to get to the majority adoption. And I'll, I'll mm. and so what I mean by that is you can now, I mean, a lot of people are buying the metaverse, they're buying goggles, they're buying these, these devices and they're actively using it. You've seen it perpetrate into the surveying world. You know, Trimble's got the hollow lens, augmented mm -hmm. reality. We've got apps out there like VGIS, whom we've had Alec, I believe, Plestov on the show before. Um, and I'll leave you with this. Over the last last week, I, I uh, reshared a post from VGIS, and it was one of the most liked posts I've ever had. Mm. Had about seven thousand people uh, view it, and a lot of hundreds of likes. Long story short, it's a video of augmented reality of a backhoe digging a trench in between utilities, and they're using an augmented device, uh, so an augmented reality device like a smartphone, and they're watching this all happen real time. And because all that data were surveyed in at an extremely high level, and now that adoption of software is catching up to the hardware and vice versa, you are now, we're on the precipice of being able to use augmented reality in the field, not just for documentation, but for active engagement of drilling and piping and and I mean, that's, again, that we're almost into that adoption phase. I'd say if you have money, you probably should invest in some of these technologies now. Um, but yeah, I think that that ball, that steam, it's a steamroll, steamrolling effect, right? We're, it's it's coming quick. So sorry for the long-winded answer, but anybody out there, if you've never uh, checked out Simon Sinek, check him out and then check out the production adoption curve. 
Yes. So can I actually, uh, mm -hmm. I love this because uh, that's exactly what I'm trying to do with OGC. Instead of saying, what do we do, which is the standard is like, why are we doing this, which is connecting the systems and solving problems. But you mentioned the iPods and one of the best things I heard, I think it has to do with the cycle as well. The, one of the best things I heard about the iPhone was actually while it was the biggest innovation, the pieces that made it up were not new, right? And I think, again, this is where we're just like putting together all the different pieces and the applications that will blow our minds are not yet here. They will come once, you know, people start to put, put it together and you'll have the next whatever, right, uh, technology. Yeah. Ray-Bans, you can buy a pair of Ray-Bans that have augmented reality in them now, and mm. you can get news feeds in your glasses on your cool Ray-Bans. Check them out. Wow. I mean, it's here. <laughs> it's a good wow. It's a good place to be, this geospatial thing. Well, I, on that note, um, and you guys both talked about the moment, the geospatial moment that we're in, and that's something that, you know, our good friend, our mutual friend, Keith Masbach, had talked about when we had him on the show. He's like, we are in a geospatial moment right now. And I personally could not agree with them more. And I'd, I'd love to hear what, what your thoughts are on that, Nadine. Oh, we're totally, it's, uh, we're at the best place at the right time, um, uh, which comes, I think, with its challenges. So yes, mm. it's the moment for geospatial, yay. But sometimes it scares me a little bit because one, I mean, I've been, uh, you know, one, I've been an entrepreneur, right? I had my startup. And when you're an entrepreneur, you you are focused on what you're trying to do, right? So that's why when we did, I was in air traffic control, the drone people, right, were figuring out their own technologies, not even going back to look at what legacy stuff exists, right? So I think that's what concerns me. There's a lot of woo that sometimes people forget that there's a, there's, there's, we've been doing, Esri has been around for how long? 50 plus years, right? The foundation is not new, but sometimes you see, especially social media, I think we're living the times of social media. When you look at social media, it's like, you have these guys talking about these things. It's like, yes, I did it as a project at MIT. Right? It's nothing new. Shut up. But <laughs> it's new to a lot of people, right? Yeah. So I think, it's great we're in a geospatial moment. I think this podcast, I think what you're doing here uh, with your whole series is to actually help connect, right, this new generation with the amazing foundation that we have as geospatial people, which is all free, right? It's not like we're charging for this. <laughs> Everything is free so that they don't have to reinvent the wheel. So I think there's that. And then this also leads me to it's definitely a geospatial moment and everybody's rushing and everybody's focused. And one of my concerns is that we're gonna create different types of silos. So OGC was created to, to bridge the silos. And right now there's so much excitement and investment that we may end up with different types of silos and we may have to pay mm -hmm. for it. And that's why I keep talking to people and that's pleading with them that if we connect now, right on the basics i'm not stealing your business from you that's the whole point of standards i think nick said it very nicely you build on it mm -hmm. but let us connect now so that we don't have a huge mass five years from now makes a lot of sense absolutely and before i forget nadine i want to congratulate you on winning 
the best sound effects ever by a guest. (laughs) 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 That's coming back in later podcasts. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I I have to now listen (laughs) when we're done. (laughs) We'll make sure to get, we'll reference the woo-woos, you know. For sure. For sure. I love it. Um, So, you know, being that we just talked about this incredible geospatial moment that we're in right now, I mean, what advice would you give to folks? And Nick, I want to definitely give you an opportunity to answer this as well, that are considering a, uh, a career in, in, in geospatial. Ooh. Uh, so my best advice is actually um, don't get stuck um, um, on the technology, going back to the why right focus on the problem what are you trying to do what impact are you trying to make are you trying to solve a problem in agriculture are you trying to solve a problem with climate change with underground focus on that right and the rest will flow Mm. the money will come the technology is here or you will create it your partners you'll find them uh, and your customers because sometimes i do find because of this, you know, fascination of this moment in time, you end up just going after the shiny object. So I would say if you're building a career, what are you passionate about? What problem you're trying to solve? And then look at how geospatial can help you. And then please look around Google (laughs) before you, you know, you go off and start your own thing because you'd be surprised. There's a lot of open source. There's a lot of open standards. Now we have a lot of open science. Use them, use them so that you can get wherever you want to want to go faster. And like there's a ton of geospatial related startups happening right now. And what advice could you give to folks that are considering, you know, going to work for something like that? Is there some some questions or some research that they can do to make sure that it's a good decision? Because not every single one of them is going to be successful. That is true. So you know what? I don't know because this is a very personal and depends on the business and whatever. My philosophy is uh, it's a great experience either way. I mean, you have to go into everything with your eyes wide wide open, right? With your eyes wide open. And you have to ask the right questions that are good for you. But um, I would also say don't overthink right? Because mm. sometimes you can make that startup successful because you are so good and you want mm. to do it. And then if it fails, it fails again. This is the best time to find a job. So yep. it fails. Yep. You go and find something else because my God, this world is so big that these days. Yeah. Yeah. Great answer. I love that. How about you, Nick? What do you have to add? Um, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to pull one from my old buddy, Kent Grow here. Uh, I've known you Kent for a long time and, um, you've always been an advocate, whether it was United Surveyors of Arizona or being an APLS, uh, through this, uh, from the people I know you worked with, but, um, finding a mentor, finding somebody that uh, has, is in the industry that can help you along. Um, I think the world of geospatial, as we've been discussing tonight has gotten very large and it can get easy to get lost in that sea Mm -hmm. of largeness and vastness. Nadine mentioned trying to figure out what you enjoy is, what are you trying to solve? What do you, I think that helps, right? Kind of as a guiding path. But if you have some mentors or you can network with professionals in the industries, 
um, going to events where you're going to rub shoulders with startups or with nonprofits, you know, or local agencies. I think that's great. Um, I will also say, yeah, Google search it, you know, and here's a, a plug for the local community in Arizona. I had a student uh, recently email me uh, if I knew any jobs in the geospatial community in Arizona. And I, I literally just sent them a link to AGIC, the Arizona Geographic Information Council. Yep. They have an Esri dashboard that all the geospatial companies uh, can contribute to. And it's, it's a job board built on a GIS for GIS people and geospatial people. And a simple Google search would have found that for you. And what a great resource. And I think as of last week, there were 22 jobs in in, Fe in the greater Phoenix area, you know, that had uh, postings there. So yeah, those are a couple of recommendations, but yeah, network and find somebody that you can trust and come alongside them. Yeah, well, I appreciate the kind words, Nick. And one of the things that I'll add to that, I know this isn't a mentoring podcast per se, but one thing I've learned, like I can, I do consider myself a mentor having been in the business for as long as I have and being willing to share that knowledge. But the funny thing is the, the younger folks that I uh, mentor, let's say, I learn just as much from them as they probably learn from me which is a really interesting thing because that generation, the younger generation now learns at such a pace. It's incredible. So what you're saying is your men, your men, mentee taught you how to use a cell phone and stuff like that. <laughs> Instagram, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. social media. <laughs> no, but it's right. You're right. It's a two way street. It really right? is. Yeah. And sure. Nadine, I know you, you, you take, you have a special fondness for connecting people in this you know, industry as well. Do you have any thoughts about networking connections? Yes, I think, my God, uh, we're all trying. And uh, especially for me, it's been uh, actually connecting women and minorities, uh, you know, to investors or to customers or like you're saying, you know, mentors out there. Uh, definitely, there's so much more we can do, but, uh, you know, definitely something, you know, high priority. And I have to say, I learn a lot from my kids, speaking of the new generation. I mean, yeah. these kids just like, uh, again, what they do in their video games, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not amazing. the same. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not Pong. Anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, no, it's amazing. <laughs> Hello again, Geoholics. We'd also like to thank our good friends at Carlson Software, whose software I actually use on a daily basis. Carlson Software has been producing software and hardware solutions for the land surveying, civil engineering, GIS, and construction industries since 1983. Carlson's unique approach provides geomatics professionals with the most powerful, affordable, and independent technology options and the best free, unlimited tech support in the industry. I can say from personal experience, it is second to none. Their mission is to be the premier independent developer of land surveying, civil engineering, construction, and mining technology products. To find out more, visit carlsonsw.com and be sure to mention that you heard about them on the Geoholics. So what are you excited so about, yes. Nadine? What are you excited about uh, moving forward? I mean, whether it be one year, five years, what, uh, what keeps you motivated? Oh, uh, what keeps me motivated is there's so much that uh, so much work that could be done that I know we can do, right? I go back to the biggest problems, disasters, right? Every time I say this all the time, it's like every mm. time there's a flood, 
you, yeah. don't you feel that it's like the first flood we've ever had? Oh my God, where do I get the data? And who has the data? What can I do? And what system? And what visualization? How can I? So my God, right? And how many floods and wildfires? So I think there's that, that those problems we can solve because we go back to FAIR. We have the data. So let's just make sure you can find it and hook it up with each other and get the decisions that you need. And then you want to take it all the way to climate change. Yes, I, th- I, I, I love this because our, our members say, think about it. Now everybody's into climate change, but haven't we been doing this all along, right? The pieces of it, all the science, all the modeling, all the cross-disciplinary, all the big, big data, right? So I think that's what I'm passionate about is this amazing opportunity to help accelerate solving some really, really big problems for our society. And speaking of kids, for our kids, because mm. we know we know the technology. We just need the opportunity to actually put it together and make the impact. Yep. And it's really interesting to me. I, just over this past weekend, I uh, <clears throat> started curling again, for what it's worth. And... Uh, we had like a, a, a mini curling competition at our curling club and I met a bunch of people I'd never met before. And of course, one of the things in conversation is what do you do? What do you do? You know, blah, blah, blah. And you know, I, I'm, not, I'm shocked at like how many people some way, shape or form are using geospatial in their everyday jobs. And a really good example is I met this one girl who works for the Maricopa County Health Department, and her job is to, uh, you know, was to, well, still is, to track COVID cases. And she's like, when I told her what I did, she's like, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I think I, you know, can relate to what you do because we have these maps and every single COVID case is plotted on the map and this and that, and they're tracking trends and this and that. So this is, this is massive. This is a massive, mm-hmm. massive movement. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, COVID was a big boost for yeah. geospatial, yep. right? So there was and then I take it so one of my favorite examples is Universal Studios. Again, because my kids are half of my life, <laughs> right? So you go to Universal Studios mm-hmm. and uh, we had the map was an app, right? So it was a map on an app. And then you, it can always tell, you know, where you are, of course, but also it knows you have kids. So the nearest concession, um, the temperature where you can find the water and then how long the lines. So it's like the real time. I think this is this combination that we were able to finally combine real time data with the context of a map and of location. I think that's why everybody's like, what? Yes, of course. I mean, everybody's car has a map right now. Nobody thinks about it. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really is. Did it help you get on the rides faster? <laughs> uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm a geek. I optimized. My kids were so proud of me. Seriously, <laughs> they were like, because they laugh at me that I'm a geek, but they were like, huh, that was amazing. <laughs> doing doing nearest neighbor, ana- you know, analysis, you know. Well, you yeah. know where the the yeah. ride the the line for the ride is not long is in in the metaverse. I mean, you can take, that's right. You can take that roller coaster hey. in the metaverse right now, many times as you want, and many times as you want. <laughs> so you know what we have one of our members like seriously talking about. Uh, you know how we all hate going to the DMV, the, the the motor vehicles to renew a license or whatever. Then you just do it in the metaverse. You can even do your driving test. 
because the automotive are actually the biggest use of the metaverse these days is the simulation for cars, right? Before they, they get them out. So yeah, maybe, right? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to plug one more app that I came across recently. Uh, I think I showed mm. it to you, Sean. It's called radio garden. Okay. Check this out. It is basically. Oh yeah. The you globe. did show this to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, basically yeah. the globe. Yeah. It's called radio garden and you can like, you know, just spin around, spin around the globe, zoom in and find radio stations in Beirut or, you know, radio stations in London, what have you. It's unbelievable. And of course the sound quality is great. And you know, me being kind of a radio nut and podcasting. And of course I'm like, this is un. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. I, I was amazed. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's so cool. Yes. <laughs> all right. So uh, Nadine, um, we do have one question that we ask all the guests, and that is, do you have a, a mantra that you live by? Uh, uh, I think a few. <laughs> um, uh, I think uh, things are going to be okay is probably, you know, probably the, the, the top one. And I think the other one, how can I say this? It's like you have when you have your self doubts, especially in like this context right now. We're talking, and other people are listening, and there's part of your brain is saying, "Oh my God, how did you say this? How did this?" Uh? And it's like, stop it, stop it, stop <laughs> the self awareness, yeah. stop the guilt, right, and just be you. Maybe just be you. Just be ah, you. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I think we're, we are, we can all agree with that. And that's a big one for us. As good as it gets. No question. No question. All right. Well, that's probably about all I had, all I had to cover. Um, Is there anything else you want to get out there, Nadine? Anything we didn't go over you wanted to discuss? Uh, if it's a shameless plug. Can we I love those. That's our plug? specialty, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Please go ahead. Uh, a shameless plug that, uh, you know, OGC exists and does all this amazing work to support all this growing, exploding ecosystem because of our members. So if you are using geospatial or you're into geospatial, you know, please consider joining as a member and actually supporting uh, this organization that supports the world. Um, you can find information about our membership on our website or talk to me. I'll, I'll talk to anybody anytime. I love this. That's awesome. And uh, Nick actually just shared the link to the website in the, in the chat. So we'll be sure that when we post the episode that we do the same thing. Yep. Thank you. All right, Nick, anything else you'd like to uh, add? Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Episode in the books. That is awesome. Woo, awesome. awesome. How about you, Sean? Oh, no, I'm great. All good? Uh, all good stuff. All right. Well, uh, Nadine, thank you again so much for taking the time to join us. We enjoyed the conversation immensely, and we'd love to do it again sometime. Thank you. Same here. I'll take you dancing next time. How about that? All right. It's a Please. date. I want to see it's that. It's a date. No, <laughs> episode no 147. No cameras. Live no cameras. on YouTube. <laughs> woo! Yeah, woo! Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, another great example of adding value and making friends. So much fun. If you'd like to be a guest on a future show or have any topical ideas, shoot us an email at info at the If you haven't already... October 3rd is the final day to order your Geoholics Breast Cancer Awareness Month t-shirt. JLo, let's get loud available everywhere. Until next time, everyone. 
be safe and healthy. Thank you to our 2022 friends of the program, Advanced Geodetic Survey, AGSGPS.com, Airworks, airworks.io, Bad Elf, bad-elf.com, Cyanic Automation, getjobbook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, diamondbacklandsurveying.com, Extreme Aerial Productions, extremearialproductions.com, Get Kids Into Survey, getkidsintosurvey.com, Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz, Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com, Nettleman LC Prep, lcprep.com, North Star Surveying, northstarsurveying.com, ProStar Corporation, ProStarCorp.com, Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us, Topodot, new.certainty3d.com, and finally, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.